Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Philippians chapter number four. And we'll be reading a familiar portion of scripture this morning. And when you have it, I just want you to stand for the ring of God's word. As is customary in this house, we honor God's word by standing. Amen. Philippians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Amen. Max, I want to stand. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We probably heard this scripture a hundred times. But this is the word of God this morning to us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Avi says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come before you because we can do all things. God, no matter what obstacles, no matter what issues, no matter what circumstances, no matter what problems come our way, we are encouraged to know that we can do this. We can do it not because of our own strength, not because of our own goodness, but because of you, because of your grace, because of your love, because of your strength. We're able to stand, we're able to make it, we're able to press forward, oh God, on this life's journey today. So, Father, I pray, oh God, right now, that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart will be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I thank you for your goodness and for your loving kindness towards your people this morning, Lord God. We thank you that we will not leave this place the same way we came. In the precious name of Jesus. So, Father, I bless you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. As you seated, I want you to find a neighbor. I want you to lock eyes with your neighbor. Amen. This morning, I want you to tell them, be optimistic. Mm -hmm. Try somebody else. I, I like that voice. She, she had it. Try somebody else. Say, be optimistic. That's right. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to speak with you briefly about being optimistic this morning. As I was seeking the Lord and asking him what he would have me to share with you, this, this word kept ringing in my heart, and I felt that it was appropriate to bring before you today. If I had a subtitle for this message, it would be called, The Best is Yet to Come. Be optimistic. The best is yet to come. I don't know about you, but I, I'm excited about this message. Sometimes, you know, as a pastor, you, you're the first partaker of the word, amen? Paul talks about, you know, you can't speak it and not live it yourself or not experience it yourself because you disqualify yourself from the race. So I'm excited about this word this morning because sometimes we need to be reminded to be optimistic. Amen. You know, we live in a world where it's such an epidemic of just negativism. Everybody is negative. You read the news. It's, no, it's not really news. It's bad news. 
It's like 85%, 9% bad, only 10% good. You read and, and, and you look sometimes in, in our families, you can look in your community and you just see nothing but negativism. You see nothing but drama. Right? You see issues. You, you see problems. You go on, on the job and it's problems. We're not making our quarter. We're not doing this. We have to do this better. We have to do that better. We're not making it. We're downsizing. And there's just so much negativism around us. Look at the billboards on the highway. It's always a problem. It's just negativism all around us. And it's one thing where we have negativism around us in, in, in the world, but it's another thing where we have negativism inside of us. So many of us, we deal with the intrinsic negativity, right? You know, we have that self-talk, right? When we say, well, I don't have what it takes. My life stinks. Things are bad are just even getting even worse now. I don't have what it takes. The economy is doomed. My family's falling apart. The school system stinks. The church is dying. My teen's a mess. The government's corrupt. <laughs> We're all going to hell in a handbasket. And we're just full of just negativity that, 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 that stalks us and just parades around us in our hearts and, and in our, our minds. You know, sometimes I really believe it's, the, it's, it's our spiritual enemy, the devil, who begins to throw these thoughts our way to discourage us from grabbing hold to God's word. You know, the, the, the scripture says, as we just read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's going to be my challenge today. And I'll, and I'll come back to that scripture in my clothes. But we live in a world where God is challenging us today to deal with that spirit of negativity. A negativity. The Bible says that in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 27, you might want to write this down. If you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. If you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. That's Proverbs eleven twenty seven. And basically what the scripture is saying is that you will find what you're looking for. You will find what you're looking for. If you have a negative mindset, you will always find the negativity around you. You will always find something wrong. Even in times of great accomplishments, even in times of, of great celebrations, you will yet find something negative because it, it is a mindset. Have you ever been around someone who's just negative? It could be on your wedding day, but her dress didn't look right. You got, you, you got your diploma, but look at his cap and gown. Though. It was wrinkled. You could just have a baby, but man, I really want a boy. Got a girl. And people are just negative. Just, just negative. If you look for negative, you always find it. A challenge that I, I, I was looking at, I was looking at birds. And I, I like birds. I, I love all types. I love eagles. That's my favorite. I love eagles. But the challenge came to me and the mindset came to me, are you a buzzard? Or are you a hummingbird? Do you have a buzzard mindset? What does a buzzard mindset has? A buzzard feeds on dead things. But a hummingbird feeds on sweet things. They look for the nectar. And see, the thing is, are you going to look for the dead things? Or always, Because, you know, you got people who are just always looking at the dead stuff. And they have a buzzard mindset. 
But God wants us to have a hummingbird mindset. He wants us to find the sweet thing. We're saying that 2016 is our sweet 16, is our rites of passage. Come on now, don't forget the word of the Lord. Every day I pray that thing. Every day this morning I said, Lord, I thank you for my sweet 16. I thank you that the best is still yet to come. Come on, I want to have a hummingbird mindset. I don't want to live like a buzzer just feeding on dead things, feeding on the carcasses of life, feeding on the dead things that mama and daddy left behind, feeding on the dead issues, things that that have been lying dormant for years. I don't want to feed on that stuff. If it's past, then let it pass. That's why it calls it the past. Let it pass. If we keep feeding on that stuff, we feed ourselves negativity, eating off of old relationships. Oh, God, help me today. Old things and issues and problems that, that keep us from looking at the positive, from looking at a, a positive perspective. If you're a child of God, God wants you to be optimistic. You have to have a spirit of optimism. Are you optimistic this morning? Now, when we look at the word optimistic, the word optimistic means being hopeful and confident about your future. That's what it means. It means that I believe that the best is yet to come for me, that even though I might find myself in a bad place, even though I might find myself in a struggle, even though I might find myself in a pickle, in a jam right now, I know that this is not the end result. I have a spirit of optimism that the best is yet to come for me. But all the time as believers, as Christians, we find ourselves in the pendulum of life and we find ourselves swaying from being optimistic to being pessimistic. What is a pessimist? A pessimist is a person who tends to see the worst aspect of things and believes that the worst will happen. And God says, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to make it your sweet 16. I'm going to bless you. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to enlarge your territory. I'm going to pop the lid off your life. And all of a sudden, some things come your way. And you go, oh, it ain't happening. See, that pastor talking about all that stuff. And look, I got a bill. Look, this happened. Look, I got a ticket. Look, 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 I lost my job. Look, 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 they say they found something in my body. Look, 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 look. There ain't no sweet 16. I don't know why he's saying that stuff. Just try to get those people to shout. That's all he's trying to do. Negative mindset. A buzzard mindset. Feeding on death things. God wants you to be a hummingbird. He wants you to be, have a sweet, feed on the nectar of life. The sweetness of, of life. Remember, if you look for the good, you'll see it. You'll find favor. Every day I'm saying, Lord, release your favor. Release your goodness to me. Lord, I want the best. But if I'm looking for all the, all, all the bad things, I will never see the silver lining in the cloud. An optimist looks at the scripture in Psalms 23 and said, my cup is running over. He's like, yes, the optimist says, yes, my cup is running over. That means God is blessing me. The pessimist says, my cup is running over and there's going to be a mess. Some of y'all get that later on tonight. It's going to be a mess. See, the pessimist wants everything, every little thing. The pessimist doesn't want to get out of their comfort zone. The pessimist just wants it a certain way because it's going to go the bad way anyway. Always expecting the worst. Always expecting the bad. Oh, and you know, nine times out of ten, the things that we worry about don't even happen. The word worry in, in German is the word worgen. The word worgen means to choke. So when you worry, you choke yourself. 
emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You're losing sleep over nothing. You get a little pain in your chest. Oh my God, I must be having a heart attack. And you just think all oh, these negatives quick to think the bad. It's sad because some of us have been programmed that way because we've been raised that way. And we don't know no better. But I'm here to challenge you today that God wants you to do better because you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. You see, I'm optimistic. I'm not optimistic based upon what I feel. Optimism is not based upon what you feel. I don't always feel optimistic. I don't always feel like faith, believing God. I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like reading my word. I'm the pastor. Sometimes I don't even feel like coming to church. If I was whipped by my feeling, I might be in jail somewhere today. If we always went by the way we felt, our feelings would lead us astray because our feelings are not tied to the word of God. So this time I feel to do right. Yeah, you felt the praise a few moments ago. Hey, you real ready. But let someone piss you off. You ain't feeling no praise then. In your flesh, in your carnality, you want to say some things and do some things that are not tied to the word of God. That's why you can't depend on your feelings. Well, I feel like doing this. I get weary when people say, I feel like doing this. I say, no, no, your feelings can change. You can feel like doing it one day and not feel like doing it the next. Uh-huh. I'm not optimistic based upon what I feel. I'm optimistic based upon what God says. I'll say that again. I'm optimistic based upon what God says. I'm optimistic based upon the word of God. That's what's been carrying me through 2016. We, what's the day? March the 5th, 6th, 2016? 3-6-2016? That's what's been carrying me these last two months and six days. That I'm optimistic based upon what God has spoken. There's some days I'm like, oh, I don't even feel like getting out the bed. I don't even feel like praying. I don't even feel like this. I don't feel like doing that stuff. But I say, God, you said that this is my sweet 16. So I got to tell my flesh to shut up. Sometimes you got to tell yourself to shut up. But that negativity, God ain't going to really do it. And the devil stop whispering, yeah, look, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, see, the devil's like, look, you ain't going to never get mad. Look, you ain't going to never have this. Look, you ain't going to never do this. Look, you ain't going to never get that job. And he just starts whispering. Sometimes before you even get out the bed, he puts it in your dreams. So you wake up with that spirit of negativism. See, God wants you to be optimistic. But the, the warfare that we encounter stops us from walking into the promise that God has for us. I'm optimistic based upon what God says, not how I feel. And we have to learn as Christians to divorce our feelings from what God's word has said. That's how why so many times we keep wanting back up in the same predicaments because we're going by emotions and feelings. We get caught up in the wrong relationships because it feels so nice to have a companion. It feels so nice just to have someone hug you and rub you and kiss you. All that stuff. And you get yourself back caught in the same thing. 
Because you allow the enemy to bring negativity your way. You, you allow your feelings to lead you astray. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to give you eight reasons to be optimistic. Are y'all ready? And I'm going to shoot through this fast. I only got a limited amount of time this morning. But I'm going to give you eight reasons. I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to give you eight reasons I'm optimistic from Romans 8. Eight reasons I'm optimistic for Romans 8. Eight reasons I'm optimistic for Romans 8. If you really read Romans 8, there's really 23 reasons why you should be optimistic. But 8 sounds better. And I don't have time for 23. So we're going to do 8 this morning. And I like 8 reasons I'm optimistic from Romans 8. Amen? Y'all ready? You might want to get your pens. You might want to write this down. Praise the Lord. Here we go. Number 1. Eight reasons that I'm optimistic from Romans 8 is my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. My sins are forgiven. Like we was up at communion. We were saying, Lord, we're, we're grateful. You see, when, you, when you've been forgiven much, <laughs> when you know your life was taught from the floor up, when you know you was jacked up, when you've been forgiven much, you praise God for much. Don't let go of that screaming and shouting and all that praising God was just people just getting emotional. No, 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 no. They begin to think about when they didn't have Jesus. They begin to think about when their lives were jacked up. They begin to think about even after they came to Jesus, they're still jacked up. And God still covers them and cleans them and renews them. Uh-huh. My sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. If you are a Christian, you called on him and he forgave you. He's forgiven you a lot. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west. Pastor, how far is the east from the west? There is, there, there, there is no calculable distance. The earth is round. How far is the east? If you keep going east, you're going to come west. If you keep going west, you're going to come east. There is, there's no distinction between east and west. That's how far he moved your sin from you. That's how much he loved you. Your sins are forgiven and your eternity is secure. You should be optimistic that my sins are forgiven. When people start to throw your past in your face, especially, you know, those people from your past. Oh, you saved now. You're a Christian now. Are you doing that Jesus stuff? Now, that's right. Well, you was doing that Jesus stuff two years ago. You didn't do that Jesus stuff the other day. You didn't, no, 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 no. My sins are forgiven. I'm optimistic. That, 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 there, there's no question about what God did. He did it for me. He did it for me. And when the devil begins to throw your past in your face, you throw his future in your face, in his face. You let him know he's going, he's going, he's, he's going to be thrown in the lake of fire. That's his future. He's doomed already. That's, what he's, that, that, that's his eternity. But your eternity is secure because your sins are forgiven and your home is in heaven. That's reason one. Reason two, Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. That's why I'm optimistic. Because if you don't want to pray for me, <laughs> if mom don't want to pray, if wife don't want to pray, if children don't want to pray, Jesus is praying for me. And if Jesus is praying for me, then I should be optimistic because he's praying my best. He's praying that God would do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or even think. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, Christ who died, hallelujah, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Christ is our intercessor. He's praying for you. 
He's most heavenly father. Lord, I pray that Jovet would make it. Lord, 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 I pray that you bless Edgar. Lord, I pray that you bless the pastor. Lord, I pray that you bless the. He's praying for you. He's in up there. Wait, 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 like you see those, those, those pictures. Amen. Just <laughs> blonde hair and blue eyes. He didn't even look like that. That's a European Jesus. I'm talking about the real Jewish Jesus. Okay. He's praying for you. Take a neighbor. He's praying for you. Oh, yeah. He's praying for you. His one thing when my wife intercedes for me, and she can pray. Y'all, y'all heard her this morning. She can go in. She could, she could cut some heads off in the spirit in a second. But she can. And I, I need that. I got that. I'm blessed. Amen. It's nothing like the power of a praying wife. Come on now. Someone who can call down heaven. Someone who can put demons on the run. Someone who can shift the atmosphere. It's nothing like that. But even more important her, Jesus, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's praying for me. He's interceding for me. He's blocking the enemy. He's, tra- he, he, he's purposed my destiny. It's Jesus who is sitting at the right hand of the Father. The one who gives me a direct access. The one who gives me the, the interest to get in. He is the door. He is the way that I come because he is praying for me. Jesus is at the right hand of God. He's praying for me. Number three, my future victory is greater than my present pain. Oh my God. So that's why I'm optimistic. That's why I, I get excited because my future victory is greater. See, we, we, we talk about the best is yet to come. That means that I ain't seen none yet. I might have some, I might have some good days in my life, but I ain't seen nothing yet. Tell them, you ain't seen none yet. Oh, you ain't seen none yet. You thought you seen some. You, you thought you seen. You ain't seen none yet. You ain't seen none yet. My future victory is greater than my present pain. I like what Romans 8.18 says. It says, I consider that our present suffering, that means the things that you're going through right now, that means your problems, your struggles, your issues, amen, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, what you're currently going through now, I'm going to do it like this. What you're currently going through now, we had a scale right here. This is your problem. This is your trial. This is your trouble. This is your situation. This is the problem at home. This is the problem with your health. This is the problem with your finances. Uh-huh. This is, this is your present pain. He said it's not worth to be compared to you with the glory that will be revealed. In other words, there is no comparison. What God has for you is more weightier than what you're currently going through. So you think it's like this, because the devil's making you negative. Oh, God don't got nothing. He's just going to give you a little something. No, 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 no. The word of God says, the reason I'm optimistic this morning, is that his glory is greater than my present pain. That means the scales are tipped in my favor because the glory is weightier than what I'm currently going through. My future victory is greater than my present pain. I know you say, Pastor, I can't see nothing but my pain right now. I can't see nothing but my trouble right now. I can't see nothing but my issues right now. I can't see nothing but my shortcomings right now. But I'm here to declare to you this morning. Actually, I'm here to prophesy to you this morning that your greater is coming. I'm here to tell you that victory is on the way. That's why we gave a shout of victory to let the devil know that we're not giving up. We're not 
not throwing in the towel. We're not backing up. Come hell, come high water. We declare war on you in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to be blinded by my pain because I see my victory ahead. I wish I had a witness in the house this morning. Does anyone see victory ahead of them this morning? Does anyone see their breakthrough ahead of this this morning? Does anyone see God doing great things ahead of them this morning? I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. The apostle James says, I count it pure joy. He said, I count it pure joy when I fall into trials. You might say, James, what is wrong with you? You were smoking something? What's going on? Because I know I don't feel good when I see trials. When trouble come, when problems come, you know, we get to worrying. We, be, we, we, we begin to cry. We stay up at night. We can't sleep. We have nightmares about the worst thing that could possibly happen in that circumstance, in that situation. But the apostle James said, he said, I consider it pure joy when I face diverse temptations. In other words, trials of different kinds. <laughs> trial troubles of different kinds how many of you have had troubles of different kinds what's this problem get dealt with then this one want to pop up then want this one get dealt with then this one back here want to come up and then this one from my past want to pop up and then this one to pop up diverse temptations diverse trials trials troubles issues problems temptations he said I counted all joy when I fall into diverse temptations he said why 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 here's the crux of the he said, because the testing of my faith. When you go through trials, the enemy, the trial, is testing your faith. It's to see what you're made of. My bishops will always say, you know what, it's nothing like putting Christian in hot water because you see what they're really made of. A Christian is like a tea bag. The hotter it is, the more the tea begins to spread out. See, sometimes the devil just wants to test you to see if you really believe what you say you believe. If you're really about what you say you believe. And sometimes God allows us to go through some hot water <laughs> problems, some hot water temptations to see what you're really made of. To see if that Jesus is really real in you. To see if you really got that power that you profess. To see if you really got that authority that you possess. He said the testing of my faith worketh patience and produces a perseverance. In other words, it matures me. It makes me better. In other words, I become like a spiritual bodybuilder. The more the trial, the more stronger I get. The more the issue, the more stronger I get. The more the problem, the more stronger I get. Are you going to allow your trial to tear you down or are you going to allow your trial to build you up? Tell your neighbor, my trial has a purpose. Oh, yeah. See, I don't want to go through nothing and not have a purpose. I'm not wasting time. See, my trial has a purpose. The Bible says he's using that trial to work in me his greater grace, to work in me a greater faith. I'm not going through nothing just to waste time, just to go through something. At the end of the trial, I want to get a trophy. I want a reward. I want some new strength. I want a greater anointing. I want some great power. My future victory is greater than my present pain. Number four, my mind is filled with the peace of God. I like that. That's why I'm optimistic. Because my mind, my mind is filled with the peace of God. My mind is filled. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Come on, that, that's that buzzard mindset. Uh-huh. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. 
peace. Life and peace. The Bible says the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. One time I was reading that scripture, I said, Lord, describe to me what the scripture means. Because sometimes you can read the scripture a hundred times and you just be like, duh. I don't get it. Lord, can you break it down for a brother? Can you help me to understand this thing or what's going on in, 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 in this scripture? If you don't understand, you have to ask somebody, right? Mm-hmm. The beginning, the beginning of, of knowledge is saying that I don't know. I don't know. So if you don't know something, you better ask, right? And so as I was, 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 was reading the scripture, the peace of God is passed on all understanding. In other words, he said that the peace of God that doesn't make sense to you. See, the peace of God that when everybody else who's in your circumstance, who's facing your problem, is smoking and drinking and taking all types of medication to keep themselves sane, you just relaxed. You just chilling. You just calm and collected. It doesn't make any sense. The peace of God that surpasses understanding. In other words, the peace of God that doesn't make any sense. The Bible says it guards your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden I begin to see soldiers. And God said the soldiers is peace. And it's guarding your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So in other words, when the devil tried to lie to you, peace is guarding you. So you don't have to worry about the problem. It's guarding your heart and your mind. Come on. I mean, I mean it's blocking your thoughts. So when your thoughts want to go crazy, when you, when you want to snap, when you want to give in to the worry, the doubt, and the fear, peace is, is guarding your heart. Peace is guarding your mind. It's protecting you from all the issues, from all the negativity. God wants you to be optimistic. Your mind is filled with the peace of God. I realize that many Christians, the reason, the reason that they don't live a life of victory because they don't know how. In the word of God, they don't know what to possess. These are promises for us this morning. These are promises for us to grow stronger in our faith. Not for us to get off into depression and woe with me because if you get it, that, that means that you're not focusing on the word of God. You're focusing on yourself. Number five. If God is for me, come on, that's a powerful one. Who can be against me? Who? 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 Who can be against you? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 32 to 33, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who would bring charge against whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. In other words, God has chosen you. If you are a believer, if you are a child of Christ, if you are a child of God, if you are a follower of Christ, you have been chosen. Tell your neighbor, you have been chosen. Yeah, you have been chosen. That means he put you. He looked and said, Candida, I chose you. Leticia, I chose you. I chose you. Novella, I chose you. I chose you. He hadn't picked you. You didn't choose him. He didn't choose him. He chose you. The Bible says before the foundation of the world, he chose you. And the Bible says many are called, but few are. Ah, he chose you. That means there's something special. For you be sitting in God's house, and that means something unique about you. He could left you going to hell. He could left you in your circumstances. He could left you in your situation. That's why I get frustrated at times when I see people. I say, I don't have to coax no more to worship God. When you've been forgiven a lot, when you understand who you are in Christ and what Christ has done for you, I can't play, Lord, what God has done. 
tell my wife, I ain't begging people to come to church. If you don't come for two weeks, I'll call and say how you do. But after what, I'm not begging you. It's a privilege to be in God's house. Because he chose me. He didn't have to choose me, but he did. When I was jacked up and messed up, didn't care anything about God, yet he chose me. He didn't chose me when I got together. He chose me while I was a hot mess. Freaking and sexing and smoking and whoring and drug dealing and smoking. He chose me. He chose me. Take a name, I'm chosen. I didn't have it all together. I know I don't look the way you think I should look, but I'm chosen, baby. I know I might not know the scriptures you know, but I'm chosen, baby. I know that I might not praise him the way you praise him, but I'm chosen. You don't know what hell he delivered me from. You don't know what he bought me for, huh? but I'm chosen. I know you might not see me every Sunday, but I'm chosen. He's bought me from a mighty long way. He delivered my soul from the muck and mire where I was sinking deep in sin. He delivered me. He put me up. He tied me around and placed my feet on solid ground. He chose me. Wasn't even thinking about him, but he chose me. Chose me. I thought I was the least in my family, but he chose me. I didn't know anything about church, but he chose. I gotta move on. He chose me. And because he chose me, that means he's for me. And that means that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because whoever comes against me <laughs> comes against him. <laughs> you see, that's why when, 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 when the evangelist Philip, amen, not Philip, Stephen, in the book of Acts was being stoned, right, right, right? He was being stoned. The Bible says Jesus saw Jesus standing up. Jesus gave him a standing ovation as he was being stoned. Because when he came against the elect of God, he was coming against Jesus directly. That's why when, when, when God knock Paul, come on now, off his donkey. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? How can he say, how can I persecute you? He said, you mess with them, you mess with me. If God is for you, who can be against you? He takes it personal when stuff comes against you, because you've been chosen. He takes it personal. Don't you mess with a child of God? Don't you mess with a Christian? Come on now. While I was working, while I was working on my last job, I was working in the bank. I said, this place is blessed because I'm here. Come on now. You got to know your job is every time you walk in the Monday morning, it's blessed. Because when I walk in the room, God walks in the room with me. But the Bible says he should never leave me nor forsake me. So if I'm up in this peace, that means God is up in this peace with me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Say what you will, say what you want, but I got God on my side. So I think you may think twice before you come up against this child of God. See, some of you don't even know how to walk like that. Some of you don't know how to walk like that. That this, this business is still standing because I'm here. This apartment is still open because I'm here. It's not because of anything good I've done because he chose me. I wasn't a part of the planning. I wasn't part of the choosing. But he chose me before I was even born. Even though I was knitted in my mother's womb in sin, destined for hell. Yet he chose me. And because he chose me, no one could stand against me. I got to move on. 
I gotta move on. I gotta move on. Tell your neighbor, God got you. Come on, tell your neighbor, God got you. Yeah, God's got you. He got you this morning. What are you worried about? What are you fretting about? He has you. In that new job, on that position, he has you. In the midst of that hell you're going through, he has you. He has you. God has you. God has you. Number six, my God's spirit helps me in weakness. Uh-huh. The Bible says in Romans 8, 24 to 26, who hopes for what they for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait patiently. There's some things you need from God. Amen. You're not gonna ask God for something you already have. But there's some things you need from God, and so you wait patiently for him on it. And it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In other words, when we are weak, the Bible said he is giving you his Holy Spirit. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. Someone to comfort you. Someone to cover you. Someone to preserve you. It is his Spirit. He is giving you a piece of himself. He is giving you his very heart. You have the Holy Spirit. That's how you know the difference between those who are chosen and those who are called. Because the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of them. See, when you've been chosen, you've been marked. <laughs> when you've been chosen, you've been marked. The Bible says God has marked you. In other words, he has smeared you with his anointing. He has covered you with his presence. That's how you know who's of God and who's not. Because they have the spirit of God living on inside of them. Just look, 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 don't get fooled because someone could quote a scripture. Because someone knows how to speak some fake tongues and do a fake shout. You need some power behind your life. Because some people just blow a whole lot of hot air. They don't have no power because they don't have the spirit of God. When you have the spirit of God, God has mocked you. He has seared you. Come on now. He has invested. He has put a deposit of himself on the inside of you. He has deposited himself in you. And God's spirit helps you in your weakness. In other words, the time that you feel overwhelmed. The times that you feel like, Lord, I can't make it down another day. Lord, I don't feel like getting out the bed. Come on, I have those times. But the Bible says in your weakness, in your frailty, in your fatigue, in your low moments, he helps us in our weakness. When you feel you can't make it, he reminds you that you can do all things through Christ. Notice that it's not through yourself, it's through Christ. And Christ is just another word for the anointing. The anointing is just another word for the Holy Ghost. You can do all things through the Spirit of God that strengthens you, that gives you everything that you need. So when you are weak, then you are made strong because his grace is sufficient for you. God's spirit helps me in weakness. When you feel like collapsing, when you feel like you're hurting, he'll comfort you. When you feel like you're alone, he'll be your friend. That's why it says, can't nobody do me like Jesus because he's my friend. In other words, there was times where I didn't have no friends. And he was a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. When you're weak, he will make you strong on a bad day. He'll make you optimistic to let you know it will always be like this. It will always be like this. It will change. It will shift in your favor. God's spirit helps you in your weakness. Number seven, God's working everything in my life for good. God is working everything in my life for 
good. For good. Someone say for good. Not for bad, but for good. For your good. For your good. He's working out for your good. Uh huh. He has your best interest at heart. Whatever you're going through, allow him to work it out for your good. The Bible says Romans 8, 28, and this is a familiar portion of scripture that we quote so many times, but we lose the essence of the meaning of what God is trying to speak to us. And it says, and we know in all things, all things, all things, all things, not something in everything that we face in this life from the moment we were born to the moment we were shut our eyes or get raptured in all things. God works in all things. God works. God works in all things. All things. God works for the good. That means the little situation that you think that God don't care about, he's even working in that. Your little issue, little struggle, God is even working in that. In all things, God works for the good. For the good. The good of what? The good of those who love him. <laughs> Do you love him? How do you know if I love the Lord? The Bible says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Not just because you say, I'm a Christian, I go to church every Sunday. No, your love, you have to show your love that you love him. The Bible says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. If you follow after God, you, you will have to deny yourself. Jesus denied himself in more ways we could even fathom or imagine. So don't get it twisted that, oh, now that you're saved, you're going to have this free grace in life. It's just going to be pretty and wonderful. Not so. Not so. Like Pastor Vernon just shared a few moments ago, when you see a fighter, a boxer in the ring, he, he, he has the victory at the end. He is bloodied. He is bruised. He is scarred. He is torn. Like she said, he could barely even stand. But he has that belt on his chest. Come on now. He has, the, he has that hand up in the air. And sometimes he can't even raise his hand. Someone else has to raise it up for him. Come on now. That's what I was doing for some of y'all in the spirit this morning. Because you was like, oh, I can't. I can't. I was raised. You got the victory, baby. You got the victory, boo. I know you feel like you can't see your way. Your eyes are, are closed shut. You even know which way the enemy's coming. But I'm here to declare to you, you have victory this morning. You have everything that you need. God is working everything in your life for the good. For the good. For the good. That's why it's important to have the right people around you. See, when you're in a boxing ring, you got to have the right manager. Come on, the right coach. Come on, get him. Suck him to the left. Come on. He, you're open right there. Get him. Get him. Get him. That's what my job is to do as a pastor. Come on, get him. Get him. Come on, knock him out. Come on. Get him right there. Come on, duck. Come on. Come on, go to the left. Come on, go to the right. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You got this. You got this. He's open. Get him. Get him. Get him. Get him. You're not supposed to just say that if you don't got the proper team around, you're going to get knocked the hell out. And you need to knock hell out. <laughs> and that's why some of you keep coming to church all. Because the devil keep knocking you out. Because you, you don't got the right people. You, you got a team who wants to help you. You got the church who wants to help you. But you think you could do it by yourself. You keep on trying to do that by yourself. You will never get too far. You will always be a day late and a dollar short. You need me. As much as you don't want me, you need me. As much as you don't want to come to church, you need this. Somebody, you keep coming back here. Okay, every time you come here, God is giving you a fresh word from the throne. God is speaking to you. That's why you need to get your butt to church. Because I could give you a strategy how to defeat your devil, how to defeat your foe, how to come against that devil that's trying to knock you out. 
That wasn't my message. That was a free one. God is working everything in your life for good. For good. For good. The hurt, the pain, the rejection, the failures, the setback. He uses it all. Nothing goes to waste in God. Nothing goes to waste. He uses, even when you didn't know him, he uses all that stuff. Nothing goes to waste in God. Brings to my final point, I'm closing. And this, I think, is probably one of the most powerful statements of all of the eight points or reasons why I'm optimistic. Nothing, everybody say nothing, can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, For I am convinced. See, Paul had to come to a place where he was convinced. It's not just something he, 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 he just haphazardly wrote. He said, I am convinced. I've thought this thing through. I have a revelation, understanding of this thing. That neither death, nor life, no angels or demons. Come on now. You're afraid of no devil. Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers. Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing in this life can separate you. I don't know about you, but that makes me optimistic. That nothing can separate. Even, even when I fall, even when I make mistakes, nothing can separate me. No matter where I go, my God is there. No matter what I do, he still loves me. No matter what happens to me, he is still for me. Nothing can separate me from his love. His love is his grace. His grace is his unmerited favor. His loving kindness. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. I'm not optimistic based upon what I see. But it's based upon what God says. I want to encourage you church as we close. God wants us to be optimistic this morning. The best is yet to come. Do not allow the enemy of your soul. Do not allow your negativity. Do not allow a buzzard mindset to stop you. He declared that this year for the gathering church, it will be a sweet 2016. It will be, that's not just a cliche of words. So it sounds fancy. Oh yeah. No, it's a prophecy. It's a prophetic word. It's a declaration. It is a decree for this church. That we will see God's sweetness this year. We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Optimistic. Not because of what I see, but because of what God has told me. My sins are forgiven. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. My present sufferings are not worth to be compared to what I've been going through. My mind is filled with the peace of God. My God is for me. No one could be against me. God's spirit helps me in my weakness. God is working out everything for my good. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. I will close by saying this. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. Is that you today? Even when God presents you an opportunity, you're quick to be negative. 
you're quick to think, ah, oh, it's not going to work. I tried it 20 times before it didn't work, so why is it going to work this time? That's a pessimist mindset. That's a buzzard mindset. But that hummingbird, the miss, sees the opportunity even in every difficulty. Can you see the opportunities even in the midst of your difficulty today? That's the type of vision. That's the type of heart. That's the type of mindset we need to pray for today. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. That's what Helen Keller said. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. There's some things that God wants you to achieve in 2016. Well, only in the month of March. It ain't too late. Get on board. Don't get left behind. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. Who's our hope and confidence in? It's in Jesus. It's in him today. If you're saying, Pastor, I want God to help me to be even more optimistic. I want to pray for you today. And if that's you, we got to move quickly. But I just want you to come up to the altar. And we're going to pray together as a church this morning. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, come now that we might pray. Don't faint, just move. close your eyes and just lift your hands up towards heaven this morning and those who are seated in the congregation you can lift your hands up towards heaven too and let's pray together as a family today I'm optimistic not because of what I see but it's based upon what God says he says my sins are forgiven his word says that Jesus is at the right hand of the father he's praying for me my present sufferings are not worth to be compared with my present pain. My mind is filled with the peace of God. My God is for me, so who can be against me? God's Holy Spirit helps me in, even in my weakness. God is working out everything for my good. For my good. And nothing can separate me from His love. Father, I lift up my brother and my sister who are standing on this altar this morning. And Father, I pray for them right now. Father God, we are inundated in a world of, ne of negativity around us, God. Oh God, we have, oh God, inadvertently taken on a spirit of pessimism, oh God. We have been pessimistic. Always criticized. Always saying, I don't know if it's going to happen. Oh, no, it's going to work. And just filled with negativity. And we're always quick to think the, the bad about a circumstance or a situation and never think about the good. But Father God, we lift up this demonic, this ungodly mindset, this carnal mindset before you this morning. And we ask that you would take away that buzzard mindset, that bird that always feeds all dead things, oh God. Forgive us for feeding all dead things. Because sometimes that's all we see are dead things, oh God. But help us to seek out the good that we might find your favor. 
If we look for the good, we will find favor. God, I pray, oh God, that we begin to look for the good today. We'll begin to look for the goodness, that the silver lining in the cloud. We'll begin to look at the rainbow and not look at the storm. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us this morning. God, we cannot do this without you. God, it's not easy to break a lifetime of negativity thinking. Some of us were raised with negative parents or been in negative relationships with our spouse or significant other has been negative or be around friends that are negative. But deliver us from that mindset this morning. For we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You said be optimistic, oh God. Help us to be optimistic and to let go of that mindset of negativity. Father, I bind that spirit right now. I bind that mindset. I bind that buzzard mindset thinking. And I pray we'll have a hummingbird mindset. A mindset that feeds on the sweetness of life. The sweetness of life. The sweetness, the sweetness. I pray that you will turn the sour into sweetness. Turn the bitter into sweetness. I pray sweetness upon you. I pray the sweetness of life. That this will be your sweet 16. This will be your year of advancement. This will be your year of going forth. This will be the year where you conquer mountains and do things that you never thought you could do. Oh God, that they will be optimistic. I pray a spirit of optimism upon them. For the child of God is called to be optimistic because the best is yet to come. We have a hope and a future. Why? Because you know the plans that you have for us, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper. Plans to give us a hope and a future. And so we can rest assured that we're not optimistic based upon our feelings, not based upon what we see because we could easily be led astray by what we see right now. But Father, by what your word says, oh God, one reality canceling out another. One reality canceling out another. Yes, I see the problems. Yes, I see the issues. But yet I see God's grace. Yet I see God's goodness. Yet I see God's glory. Yet I see the thing that God promised me coming to pass. I see it. For I walk by faith and not by sight. But I see the goodness of the Lord. So, Father, I pray that we will not have that pessimist, mind, that pessimist mindset that sees the difficulty in every opportunity. But we will have that optimist mindset that sees the opportunity even in every difficulty. Give us that optimism. That is the faith that leads towards achievement. We want to achieve this year. We want to do great things this year. We want to conquer mountains this year, God. We pray for the grace to do so, even now in the name of Jesus. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over every man, every woman, every boy, every child, every girl. I cover them in the blood of Jesus. And I lose the spirit of optimism that even when that negative force starts to happen, let them quick it and check and, and, and check it quickly in the name of Jesus. When that thought comes to up, I rebuke that thought. No, that's not going to happen. There's no proof that that's going to happen. It's a lie. God's word said all things are working together for my good. Help them to remember what you promised them, Lord God. That the best is yet to come. In the name of Jesus, we speak it as so. If you believe that, say amen, church. And can we seal that with a praise right now? Come on, can you put your hands together and really praise them right now? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah! The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come.